Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. His name is Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. Good to have you guys with us today on the show. We have a lot of stuff to do today. Brought to you, of course, by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group, our two wonderful and amazing sponsors. Lots of stuff to talk about. Rookie camp, NFL schedules, SEC preseason rankings are coming out. Zach, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I am, I'm ready. Like, this is the last, like, fully busy from Sunday to Sunday week since and then I get to like it's just writing and doing podcasts like the the stuff outside the different events like Mother's Day barbecue contest the NFL draft all over uh, Mother's Day of course this is a reminder for those of you who are listening to this live or listening to this on the pod before or watching us on YouTube turn on those notifications or Facebook before Sunday this is a warning it's freaking Mother's Day on Sunday you have no excuses to all you great, awesome people who listen to this product or watch this product. You have no excuse now. It's it's Mother's Day on Sunday. And by the way, Sinkers can help you with that, by the way. If you want to get a nice bottle of wine, a nice bottle of champagne, uh, if she's a straight liquor drinker, great, good for you. Go get her some bourbon. Go get her some vodka, maybe some tequila shots. I don't know, Jager bombs. Go into Sinkers. They'll take care of you. Sign up for the in crowd, of course. Uh, we'll tell you more about what they got going on what, with some VIP stuff there as well. And of course, the Kingston Group, just remember that name. That is all that we ask, Zach. It's not a lot. We're not asking a lot here. The Kingston Group. Just remember it. And when you have to make a big decision about your house, right there in the noggin, you've got that name ready to go. That is all you need. And then you call them. They help you. And that's it. Very simply. Simple. It's very very simple. Um, We're going to talk Titan schedule today. We're going to get into minicamp. What are we looking forward to? What kind of things can we actually learn from Titans minicamp? I am genuinely excited about Saturday. Practice will be at 1220. Uh, We'll have access to the players, a couple of players, one or two after the practice, uh, I believe at two o'clock. And then, uh, of course, we're off and running with like off-season workout schedules and programs and stuff. going to be a lot of fun. Uh, The Athlon Sports Magazine is on newsstands. You can purchase it now, athlonsports.com. All the preseason rankings are coming out slowly, so we just figured we'll tell you who's in the top four, who's in the top ten, where every team in the SEC is ranked. And, uh, Zach, I'll let you just sort of uh, ask all the questions. <laughs> it's some interesting choices on here that uh, uh, I, I'm excited to dive into this topic, you know, as a whole, just because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, hmm, really? <laughs> Uh, so that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. D good, of course, already into the comments, uh, talking about primetime games, moving to London, all this stuff with the Tennessee Titans. And I, I guess we can get started, uh, Zach, by the way, uh, stacking the inbox.com, uh, F football and other F words pod. I know you guys, if you want to tell everybody real quickly, what you guys talked about on Wednesday. Oh Lord. What did we talk about on Wednesday? Oh, we talked about, uh, third round quarterbacks like Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, but the overlost philosophy that there's like 20% are quarterbacks are really, really good. 60% are good enough. As long as you build around them and 20% are just terrible as yeah. far as the 32 starting quarterbacks, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love the, I love this 20, 60, 20 thing. It's going to make things so much easier for me when I'm talking about like when I'm analyzing the position, I think it's a wonderful, um, way to look at the quarterback position but we just yeah. kind of philo- ph- philosophized yeah. all through the uh all through the podcast just having little open-ended discussions and the 2060 20 thing just so that those that have not heard you talk about it is not necessarily about quarterbacks in the third round it is about no. the starting all, 32 yeah. in the nfl um, so make sure you check that out paul feinbaum our guest on lamestream sports on friday so make sure you check out that episode talked about the draft lottery in the nhl on the gold standard you got club and country coming out Covering the uh, the Nashville SC soccer club, the Nashville SC soccer club soccer club uh, coming out, and then uh, all, all of, of course KJ Jefferson on fringe elements. So I think that's all the bills uh, we need to pay. Um, I guess my question um, about the schedule, just I guess first Baltimore and 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 the Titans week six that's going to be in London um, October fifteenth. I think it's worth the trip if you can ever go or if you've never been. I know your feelings on London, but. A, a trip to watch your favorite team in another country is cool. No matter what city you're going to um, London's easier to get to than some of the other ones <laughs> uh, in Germany and or Mexico, maybe. So uh, just in general, what'd you think of the home game being moved to London? Uh, I, this is, this is about the extent that I, I bl- have any care is that uh, I saw it tweeted, saw the graph, thought the graphic looked pretty cool. And then I moved on with about my day. 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I do think that if you've never been to Europe, now you've been to London, so that's way, way cooler. Scotland, I mean, you know, I've been to different places. And, and like, it's, it's like, I get it. For If you've never been to London, go to London. And I would go again to watch the Titans play. But if you're asking me if I, if I was, like, foaming at the mouth that, oh, my gosh, the Titans got a London game. And then later on, oh, my gosh, it's the Ravens. No, it's just it's just another NFL game being played on a Sunday. So I my my favorite thing about this is that so there's five of them, right? They're gonna be played three in London, two in Germany. I, I love the fact that we are gonna have five eight thirty AM kickoff times. That's all I care about here in Nashville. I mean, I'm up anyway. So as long as it doesn't right, conflict right. with the F one, because usually, you know, I'll watch F one and then the NFL starts. Um, I mean, I mean I'm up anyway. So like it's it's it like nothing this changes nothing for me. Uh, I know that it has can it can have an effect on the team as far as traveling and all that kind of stuff, but we haven't seen the rest of the schedule, so there's really nothing to right. get up in arms over. And listen, I get it. A lot of season ticket holders are now going from nine home games this year to eight home games this year. Guess what? That saves you money. And guess what? I get it. It kind of also lost you money because you couldn't sell your tickets to Ravens fans. Because that's what season ticket holders do for the majority of them. Uh, there's, your punch. Like, there's, there's the punchline. Hey, here, here you go, Braden. Let's be like every other un- uncreative person in Nashville sports media today. How many primetime games do you think the Titans get? One, two, three or more? Like, are you guys just all robots? I mean, like, if anything, let's have a discussion about, hey, when's the better week to have a bye? When's the better time in the schedule to have a bye week? Should the Titans take their their <laughs> automatic seven or should they gamble? Like, other than that, like, you guys are coming up with the same stupid shit you came up last year. Because right. guess what? I bet I could go to A to Z Sports no, and go to their, their, their Twitter page and see that same exact top and the same exact poll two or three times ago same thing for the morning shows on uh, enragement it's ridiculous enragement is engagement uh no let me ask you this so on, i on didn't a scale, engage with them on a scale of one to five benders if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about on a scale of one to five benders uh one bender being like the least robotic and five benders being the most robotic uh, i'd like to know how i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a few takes here and we'll see we'll see how how you judge me um so First of all, and this is not some new take, but five games at that in that time slot is clearly the NFL training us as viewers in America to get ready for that time slot put to potentially be permanent. You package that with Jacksonville going there for back-to-back games, which I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, has never happened before. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a team going, you've got five games in the same time slot, training viewers in the United States to get up and watch a game at a certain time, set your fantasy lineup, get your bets in, and, and, oh, by the way, we're going to send Jacksonville there back-to-back weeks for an entire week, and they're going to play, I believe, in week four. I wish and they would five. just keep Jacksonville there. <laughs> so is this not all just obviously pushing towards a team in London? And, frankly, I think the biggest takeaway from the London game should be that it is early in the season, I, that, that you are week six and not week ten, because they're sending New England and the Colts there to week ten. And they got Miami and Kansas City in week nine in Germany. I, I just think it is better to get the long, difficult, tricky travel thing out of the way early in the season, in my opinion. So how many how robotic are those takes? Oh, man, uh, I think I think the 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 London thing has been around like a team going to be in Europe, a division going to be in Europe for a while. I mean, I can remember when we first started this, uh, the football and other efforts podcast. I mean, when there was Internet Keith and uh, DJ EJ, I mean, we're talking like early days and it's us talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars eventually moving to London and being the team that goes to London. I think it was right after shot con. Um, yep. Oh, did he buy into Wimbledon? Is that what he bought into? Uh, Wem- Wembley. Is it what? No, is it Wembley? Wembley. Yeah. yeah Wembley. Uh, he bought into Wembley and, um, and I, we were connecting the dots. Now Cause I can remember this Jacksonville Jaguars fan that deleted his account because I hounded him. Uh, <laughs> I just trolled him relentlessly. His name was it was at Parker Jones thirty two. I don't think he's back yet, but um, still in but hiding. It's it, this is this is what it's moving to, right? It's right. moving to a div, a European division is going to be over there at some point. I don't. I think that's 
crazy because it's just going to make the schedule even more complicated and more intrusive on fans and everything. Uh, um, please put Stoney's comment up there. How will <laughs> how will Will Levis choosing the jersey number eight impact the number of primetime games the Titans get this season? <laughs> That's a pretty good question. I love that PK made up this narrative to put on Twitter. Like he's just now, he's just lying. I'm a Titans Twitter sewer rat. And I have yet to see anybody, any account of note or worth. I haven't seen one account say it, but I haven't seen any account of note or worth say that they did Marcus Mariota wrong by letting Will Levis use eight. And he he puts this up here, and everybody's like, "Who are you talking about?" Like nobody has said this. Like I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I don't know. If maybe he got he got high or something, and his dog said something to him. But <laughs> there's like, only hey, so just... there's only so many numbers. Yeah, from from zero to ninety nine that you can use. Um, and like what nine like ninety three of them or whatever are taken up by the time you get to yeah. camp. So um, no, I I think it's you know what it is. I think it's appropriate. And this is not a topic we were going to talk about because this is like two. This is like four benders for me uh picking out jersey numbers is something oh, I, I, I think just, jersey I, I listen the, the these people who are who say like who have favorite numbers of the jersey it's not like it's their favorite number but they love the design of three or right, like right, right. 33 or something get a fucking life <laughs> like i'm sorry these these people who make a big deal over like certain numbers that certain players choose or how certain numbers look you should only be using the number to identify the player. You should not be using it to make collages or jerk <laughs> off to or whatever people wow, may do. Wow. I will say just uh, visually and symbolically, having 77 and 8 go to your top two picks at those two positions are a clear signal that we are in a new generation, if nothing else. A visual it's indicator. the same generation. I, I mean, like, they're, they're, they're what, like six years younger than them or something? Like, come on. Oh, come on. Stop it. Stop it. Mariota was in the national ridiculous. championship. Mariota was in the national championship game nine years ago. That was a long time ago. Okay, Ten years six ago. Six years was not that far off from nine years ago. It. The point is, it is a new era, whatever word you want to use. You're fucking pissing me off right now. It's, it's I don't not. give a shit about, I don't give a shit about numbers, so let's move on. Sounds like Here, you do. I, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Um, so going early in the season versus late in the season, I think that I, I don't know how much it's going to matter because I think it's going to tie directly into the bye week question, which here's the right question for the bye week. Here's my, here's my take. And you can tell me again, how robotic is this? Bye weeks don't matter until they do. That is the only way to look at bye weeks. Kind of what they, the players have said, right? Like bye weeks don't tell you that it doesn't really matter. If you're super injured in week 11, then you need the bye week in week 12. If you're super injured in week five, then you need the bye week in week six. Bye weeks don't matter until they do. That's it. There's no yeah. other way to look at bye weeks. Because there's like, there's no perfect formula, right? I mean, the the, the COVID year in 2020, when they, um, was it 2020 or 2021, they had it early in the season and they still make the playoffs. And like this kind of stuff just, you're, you're right. It, it, there's no exact formula, so it only really matters when it matters. See, that's not a robotic take to me because everybody's going to be like, well, you got to have it later in the season because it's always best to have it later in the season. When really, it's it's like you can't just say that because what if everybody's injured, you know, early on into the season or maybe, you know, you got flight patterns that are crazy for your away games and stuff that maybe it's better to have it early in the season. Like, there's no exact science, and guess what? Players don't care. They have Taylor Lewan literally comes out and says, "I don't even know what the big deal is about the schedule release. We already know who everybody's playing." Uh, and it's like, so it's so dumb. It's so and dumb. that I, I'm telling you, that's how all players think. We've I've talked about that before. I think it was a couple of years ago we were talking about schedules and stuff, and like all these players kind of came out like we just don't really care. Here's the other one that drives me absolutely fucking nuts. Ranking the schedules on last year's win percentage by difficulty is the dumbest thing the NFL media does at all. Outside of like the top 100 players thing that they do, which I realize is to fill content in the summertime. I, I just ranking the schedule on last week, last year, outside of a couple of specific teams that you know are going to be very, very good. I, I think it's just the, the, the difference. And we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk the rankings in the SEC. The difference in the best most difficult schedule in the NFL and the easiest and worst schedule in the NFL is almost nothing. It's almost nothing, especially on paper before we actually know what the teams are. 
Well, it's it, just, isn't it's, it market? It's, is it like betting market share? Probably the best predictor of what your schedule may look like as far as degree of difficulty. That's interesting. I, you, I mean, if you're trying, I think that's to, how Warren Sharp does it. If I'm not mistaken, when he does his little thing, I think he, I think he bases it off of market share, and then, but also how he ranks. So, uh, Warren Sharp's book, which is one of the best books that comes out every year over the summer, uh, you know, he'll rank all the positional groups independent of what happened last year. I mean, he uses right. some data and looks for some trends, but it's basically he's ranking the current team as it is. And I think that plus his betting market share gets involved in his strength of schedule formula, which seems to be pretty accurate by the time the, the season rolls around. So I like the first part. The first half of that, I think, is is just sort of being a, a really smart football guy who sort of looks at really smart football things and tries to do the work to create the schedule by being subjective and analytical. That's still sub that's still subjective, not objective. The, 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 the Vegas thing is completely objective. The problem is it is not as obje it's not objective about how good you are. It's objective about how the betting public perceives you to be. So that that's the only problem I have with that is like, like right now, and this will come up again in the college football conversation, Texas A&M is number four right now, I think to win the sec or number five. It's like, that's, there's some truth in that. There's some knowledge in there, but it's mostly about trying to split the public opinion on a team, not where do we think you're actually going to fall. It's more about predicting the public perception. I think I think gamblers understand that, but yeah, I, I do think I, I just there are teams every half of the NFL playoffs are different every year. That's it. That's well, it. Yeah, like, but you can also look it. at like someone like the Jack. There's it's kind of like the bye week. Maybe there's no perfect formula, but you look at a team like the Jaguars. You know they're going to be playing more first place teams than what they played in any of the last few seasons because they won first place in the AFC South. And being that they went eight and nine last year in a, or nine and eight last year in a second place schedule, their schedule is probably going to be harder this year. So when you look at their schedule, you know, and they did nothing to really improve. I mean, we talked about it. They, they made moves like they were a, a consecutive 12 and four winner when they're really just a Josh Dobbs fumble away from not even being in the first place team. <laughs> I, I, I think in theory, that's correct. However, like if you had Philly last year, you didn't have them because you finished 14 and two and first in the division. You had them because they, I think they finished second in the division. So like they became a 14 and two juggernaut or 14 and three or 15 and two, whatever their schedule was like these teams, like if you got Kansas city, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. But what happens if Kansas city goes, you know, 14 and three and the chargers go 14 and three and the chargers have the tiebreaker and they're the one seed. And then you get the two seed. And in theory, it's supposed to be easier, but really you're still playing the fucking chiefs. So I just, yeah. I, I just think in the, like schedules are almost all identical and trying to say that some team has the easiest path to a championship. Like you can look at the division. And I, say I think the it's division better to easier. say, I think it's better to say that when you're looking in like week 10, Yes. You could start seeing, okay, yes. well, the Eagles had a really easy schedule. The yes. Jaguars have had an easy second-half schedule. You can look at those teams. The Ravens were having some really easy schedules, even though they were first-place teams, because of their division and because of how much. Here's the thing. The AFC is just so much better than the NFC. It's almost like if you're in the AFC, you are going to come away with, I feel like, a little bit easier schedule because you get to play the NFC. And the yeah. NFC oh, no. yeah. a little bit harder schedule because they have to play the AFC. What's funny is I just you I can people are going to say as a fact so and so team has the second toughest schedule in the NFL. It's going to be hard to overcome. When in reality, at the end of the season, that number could almost literally be anywhere between one and thirty-two. And that that is the problem I have is you're going to see article after article after article. It's already out there happening now. Look how tough this schedule is based on last year's teams. And the NFL is mm -hmm. the most, outside of college football, the NFL is the most different league from year to year outside of a couple of quarterbacks and teams that half of the playoff teams churn every single year. Every year, there's a new set of teams in the playoffs every year, and they're different, and the schedules are different. Um, I will say something new about a team. Like, you learn something new about Kansas City, right? Like, Kansas City, last year, they lose all they lose Tyree Kill, and you're like, well, what are they going to be without Tyree Kill? And they were one of the best. He had, he had one of his – he had, I think, his best season statistically with Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS – and uh, uh, 
gosh, uh, Justin Watson. Like, <laughs> I mean, he still had statistically his best season, yeah. and everybody wanted to write him off because, well, Kansas City lost Tyreek Hill. Yeah. They're not going to be much without him, and they're going to have to play this really tough schedule, and they they if, just if, end up winning. you got to adjust your minds about you, – because you learn so many new things about every team. Here's all here's all you need to know. If you had a first place schedule last year and you had the Packers and the Titans, the two one seeds on your schedule, neither of those fucking teams made the playoffs. Yep. So everyone was using those two teams as why your schedule was so hard last year. Playing the Titans and the Packers, not all that hard last year. <laughs> it just it just it just is what it is. So I think I think if you see a list or or a, listen to a show that is touting last year's schedule per, win percentage as somehow indicative of what a team is going to be this year, turn it off. Same thing with bye weeks. Uh, here's I will say here's another take. Last take on the London thing, and then we'll move on. I, I'll, I'll mention primetime thing, but it's not about the number of games. I don't care about that. Um, I do think that Jacksonville being there for two weeks and allowing their bodies to acclimate to the travel for two weeks actually is beneficial. I think yeah, having but then to- they come back and they're they're acclimating again. I, I don't. I, th- I think it's maybe beneficial for one game, and it's the second game. Right. It's not beneficial right. for the first game. Yes, that's what I mean. Is is the second game you should be so, more prepared physically for that environment, and then you come back. I don't know if it's more of an adjustment coming back because you've had an extra time or not. I, I've I've never done one week studies in London and then two week studies in London. I've never I've never done that, so I don't know. Um, my only thing about the the only thing about the primetime thing is just another PSA for Titans fans. Like the amount of coverage you get, the amount of primetime games you get, the amount of talk you get on national talk radio has nothing to do with how good your football team is. Nope. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with being a a small fan base that's only been around for 20 years in a mid-market. That's it. That's it. The Bears had the worst, like, string back in, like, the, uh, I think it was, like, 18, 2017, 2018, where they were on primetime all the time and they stunk. But it's Chicago. So Chicago is going to be on primetime. It's like why the Giants and Daniel Jones and Danny Dimes are getting like three of the first four weeks are apparently primetime games. Because guess what? Giants, Giants sell, man. Like, just is, is, get used to it. There's more people in, there's more people in Manhattan on the island of Manhattan that are in the entire state of Tennessee. Like, that's it. Like, it's not, it's not, people need to know this. These are not football decisions. These are media decisions, and that's a, and it's just, it's not any different for scheduling versus what they talk about on the national platforms. Fox, ESPN, NFL Network doesn't matter. Like, they, if they you want talk- to be talked about, you win, and you win decisively and excitingly, and hopefully, you do it for like sixty-five years. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have a big brand and a large following and history and tradition. Like, it's just that just is what it is. Okay, um, let's get into some mini camp here. Before we do, let's tell everybody about sinkers. So it is, in fact, Mother's Day, Zach. It is. It's Mother's Day. And my wife, and this is, this, is, this is a story brought to you by Sinkers of how proud I am of my wife. So I don't know what you got planned. I don't want to give it away. For, for if, you get to, if it's a secret for, for your wife, I don't, want to, I don't want you to give it away. Oh, but, what, what do you mean for my wife? Well, you don't do anything for the wife? Nothing for On the wife? Mother's you, Day? Well, okay, that, just a lot of people do that. So, just well, I mean, I mean, if, you know, she had kids... A I lot of people that. buy a lot of people buy their wife something on Mother's Day. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't I'm know. buying it for for my mo- my wife because she is a mother and my mom. Yeah, but that makes sense. Here here's here's what she, the proposition she was presented with. She gets breakfast in bed on Mother's Day from the kids about 7 a.m. every Sunday on Mother's Day. We're going to Neil Brennan at Zany's on Saturday night, oh, which is the, he's the co-creator of Dave Chappelle show. Chappelle show wrote it with Chappelle. Had a, has a really fascinating journey. Go listen to, to, to Neil Brennan. He's got two Netflix specials. Blocks is spectacular. Go listen to it. So we've got tickets with another couple. We're going on Saturday night. Babysitter. This is another topic altogether. Babysitter is over $100 for a five or six or seven hour window. It's like $120. So I, I went to my wife. I said, honey, I love you very much. And I know you value your breakfast in bed. How much do you value this breakfast in bed on Sunday? Because I can send the kids to my parents' house. And you're not going to get breakfast in bed on Mother's Day. But we're going to save like $120 on a babysitter so we can go watch, go have a nice dinner, and we can go to Neil Brennan on Saturday night. And she goes, I can have breakfast in bed on Saturday morning. And I said, that's my girl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I said, I was so proud of her. I gave her that value prop, and she didn't even hesitate. She was like, 
nope, I'll, you can you can feed me on Saturday morning. Send those send those little little buggers to mom and dad's house. Love it. <laughs> so so uh, go to Sinkers, by the way. Great place to get a bottle of something nice for the missus, for the mom, for the wife, for the sister, for the aunt, whoever it is that you're buying for. Go to Sinkers Beverages. Uh, nice nice chance to, to go get something nice for them. And then, of course, the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Have you seen Blocks on Netflix, by the way? I have not. Oh, if you like Chappelle show, guys, this is one of the smartest comedians I've, I've ever seen. Um, go check it out on Netflix. That's a free recommendation for you guys out there. It's, it's a great, great comedy bit. Uh, okay, minicamp. Titans, minicamp. What are we looking forward to here? To well, see just how, just how tall uh, Josh Wiley is? Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, uh, I guess, I guess for me, you know, I asked this question to to Mike, and he's kind of like, I don't know if we can really learn anything, uh, especially because, you know, all we're probably going to see is like, you know, just shirts and pants and all that kind of stuff. But I do remember um, media talking about Des Fitzpatrick's demeanor and stuff from two years ago. We talked about it off the air, and I wanted to ask you, what do you, what do you as a media member, what are you going and observing and taking note of that's not like, oh, some one-handed catch that you want to put on a clip just because you know you're going to get the I, I can't. I can't wait to do the uh, – here's Will Levis doing lunges yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> um, no, I, I think number one, it's level setting size and, and like sort of build, right? Like if – you don't get to go see these kids in college practices very often because you're just not allowed to see them practice very often. And so I think it's number one, it's level setting just physically. You can always see something different in person than on a screen, on a phone or on TV or during a game. And I think level setting the size and just like Will Levis is bigger than I thought, or Tajay Spears is smaller than I thought, or so-and-so looks quicker or so-and-so does this well. Like Kyle Phillips, we noticed the footwork on Kyle Phillips was just off the charts right away. That was part of his his scouting report. But when you compare, you can see it all happen next to the other six guys that are doing it. You kind of have a little bit of a barometer on some of that stuff. Not much. Um, for me, it's going to be about comparing and contrasting what I saw and mainly from Malik Willis at this time last year and Will Levis at this time this year. That's what I want to see the difference is footwork. Because you could see Malik Willis's footwork, especially rolling against his body, was not there. It wasn't there last year, even in rookie camp. How well does Will Levis do all the little things? Um, and that's just all you can do is kind of compare it to what you saw last year. You can't compare it to Tannehill. You can't compare it to other rookie quarterbacks. You can't compare it to a defense. You can't compare it to camp. All you can do is sort of say, all right, I've seen Elijah Molden in camp one year at this time. Then I saw Roger McCreary, clearly a different body type. And you can kind of see the body types and you can kind of compare and contrast year over year what people look like. I remember seeing Jamarco. Jo- this is going to sound bad. I remember seeing Jamarco Jones and just thinking like, and this wasn't a rookie camp, but this was like a, a mini camp. And I was just was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm That's not how sure. I felt when he was signed. I don't but know. You, but you see MPF stand next to him and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. That's why he was the number one five-star tackle coming out of high school. That's why he, th- there's upside and value there. Like you can kind of just see some stuff. Um, but again, it's all just kind of, we're all thirsty as hell. And it's like, we got to learn the tiniest little things about these players. And it's just sort of setting a, it's setting a foundation. Now I will be, I'll be interested to see who Mike Vrabel lets talk to the press after the practice. And if it is Will Levis, I don't know if the lot is to be taken of that. I'm assuming it's Peter Skaronsky and one more. I would, I would guess Tajay Spears, but if it is Will Levis, does that tell you anything? Do, do you learn anything that Mike Vrabel has the confidence to throw their second round quarterback who's not the starter out there to talk to the press in his first opportunity? Well, didn't Malik Willis get thrown out there last year? I don't know if it was day one, but yeah. And Malik Willis did very well, I, I, I thought. And yeah, that's another compare and contrast kind of thing. So you'll be interested. I mean, like just from hearing Will Levis talk, I think that if I think you could be if you're a coach, you could be comfortable throwing that guy out there and i think that he would give you uh personality and let it shine through and all that kind of stuff so you know i wouldn't be surprised if it was will levis but i i think for sure it's a lock that it's peter skronsky yes unless like the titans do something where they start him at like left tackle or start him at center or something then he's probably not coming to talk to you guys would you um 
I'd like to make, I think there's going to be a prediction about some of these, like these little internet videos that we're going to post, you know, all over about the first, cause we can only post videos about stretching and then individual drills. Yeah. I think the, the, the main thing on Saturday afternoon that dominates Twi Titans Twitter is how big Will Levis is. I yeah. think that, that he, he is going to be a ripped up muscle machine that is like a, a six, four, 230. Like people are going to be like, Holy shit, that dude's big. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and I, I think I in person, that will be like the, the biggest thing. Like we knew Will Levis was big, but man, when you're really up close to him, <laughs> he's big. He's a big boy. Like, like I'm not a small person and I'm yeah. willing to bet you, he is going to make me look very small. So yeah. uh, if, 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 I'm, if we're allowed to get anywhere near him, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, otherwise I, I don't think you can learn a lot. It's just, it's fun to be out there and watch him run around in Titans gear. You know, it's sort of like yeah. the number thing. It's like, let's just have some fun with it. Enjoy it. And doesn't really mean much, but we'll see what happens. So, um, uh, you'll be able to see the arm talent. That's, that's for sure. You can always yeah. compare, you can always compare arms, uh, footwork, pocket stuff is touch. Cause I'm assuming I, I that's going to be the biggest thing for him is like those short to intermediate routes. Is he just like trying to murder the hands of his wide receiver, like throwing <laughs> fastballs like Joe, like Joe Milton. Yeah. Um, I, the other thing is like a Colton Dow, for example, just how, how, how good, how athletic are you in space? Yeah, like that. That's one of those things where, like, I've seen Nick Westbrook Akine so many times in camp that I know what it looks like when he runs a route. I can, I probably can see, like, hey, I, you know what? I think Dow actually might be more athletic than him, and he might be able to run these exact same routes with a little bit more pace and tempo and explosiveness. That, that's the kind of stuff you can kind of see, uh, you know, a little bit in rookie camp, but mo way more so in in mini camp and OTAs. So, yeah. Uh, otherwise, anything else you're looking forward to? All right. Well, let's uh, sinkers and Kingston group. Love you guys. Uh, let's let's talk some college football. This is where you get to tell me you get to ask me a bunch of questions. You've got access. Very oh, few man. people have this list, Zach. Very few people have the preseason Athlon Sports Top 25. You've got the top four, the top 10, where every SEC team is ranked. Wh what do you got for me, big guy? I, I'm, I'm not surprised George is number one. Uh, I mean, obviously, they lost a lot last year. They proved to be the best team in, in college football. I'll be interested to see how their quarterback situation shakes out. But other than that, I'm not surprised. Georgia's number one. I'm very surprised at this top four in two instances. Not that Alabama's three. I am surprised that Michigan is two. And USC is number four. I am very surprised that USC is in the top four after getting spanked by Tulane. Mm, bowl games don't matter. Uh, maybe they should. Uh, and then, of course, Michigan has kind of proven that they're they're top five goodish, but they just never can put it all together to be a top tier team. So I'm very surprised at those at those two teams. Why do you do you got and maybe you didn't, but why do you all? have came to the consensus of through your votes that Michigan is deserving of the number two spot while Ohio State is on the outside looking in at number five. Well, uh, short answer is Michigan whipped that ass two years in a row and they get the game at home this year. That's the short answer. Um, they, they are better than Ohio State on the field. Uh, that's been the case. They, they've won back-to-back -back Big Ten championships. Uh, they beat C.J. Stroud easily two times in a row. The game's at home. Uh, and, and you they think are, that's going to continue? I, I think it does this year. It does not mean that Ohio Michigan State's fans not. would tell you that's probably not going to continue. <laughs> sure, I I think I think the two best football teams in America are Georgia and Michigan. Wow, on paper. On paper. But styles make fights. Styles make fights, and I don't think Michigan is anywhere. Like I I think there's a lot of other teams that are more equipped to beat Georgia in a one game situation than Michigan. But but top to bottom, like. There is no weakness in Michigan's team. Let me let me let me throw some some stuff at you here. So number one offensive line in America, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Um, number one defensive line in America, Georgia. Number five, Michigan. Linebackers. Number one linebackers in America, Georgia. Number four, Michigan. <laughs> Defensive backs. Number one in America, Georgia. <laughs> There's a theme here. Uh, number num Michigan. Number four. There, there's no but the number one running backs in America, Michigan. Um, there's just nobody. They also have a quarterback who started all of last season. There's just no team that has got fewer weaknesses than Georgia and Michigan. Those are the top two. Uh, and I don't think it was really up for a lot of debate between those two. Really? Now, three three through like nine, a lot of debate. But for me personally, Georgia one, Michigan two. 
I, those are to me that was pretty easy, actually. So so USC at number four, you know, I I mean, is that just because you guys are predicting that okay, well they're obviously going to win the Pac-12 and they're the best in the Pac-12, and if you're really looking at it, you know. If you're the best in the Pac-12, is that better than second best in the Big Ten? Is like, is that kind of how it's going down for you guys, or do you guys legit think USC is gonna make some noise this year and be in the top four? They they were one win from the top four last year, so if they win on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship game, they were in the playoff last year. So they were pretty damn close last year, and I think their defense is gonna be better. They have the best player in college football running the best scheme in college football. That's a good start. Uh, they are loaded on the offensive weaponry. They're pretty good on the offensive line, and they've got a whole new front seven because they're all they went out and got transfer portal guys, five stars from everywhere. Why their defense is not their defense is not great. For sure. uh, uh, an offensive system, uh, offensive scheme that you say is the best offensive scheme in college football, to never have won a championship, <laughs> how can it be the best? Um, the, the, there's another half of the game that happens. Uh, Lincoln Riley has Oklahoma does not recruit defensive players. Uh, USC has not been able to yet recruit defensive players. Um, and just like Lane Kiffin is probably a top three or four offensive mind, but Ole Miss is not winning any national championships. So it's just more, it's more complicated than just being that way. But he's also won, I think, five conference titles, four conference titles in six years. I think it's his butt blown out when they go into the college football playoffs. You know, well, getting your getting your ass kicked by you know Trevor Lawrence and Clemson or Tua in Alabama or or um, Joe Burrow in, in LSU, like those are everyone else got their butt kicked too. So I, I I'm not picking him to win the playoff game. I'm picking him to get to the playoff. Uh, at number four, I'm assuming you intentionally skipped number three, but we'll get to that in a second. Well, I mean, um, I, I like I, I said at the beginning of the when we start talking about it, I, I don't really have any quarrels or qualms with Alabama at number three. I, 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 was, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's much of a difference between three and two. I'm just curious as why if Michigan, if Alabama's three, Michigan's two qu- quarterback. I would have thought Ohio State would have been would have been number two if I, you know just based on previous year's rankings and how the tradition of college football goes, I would have thought Ohio state would have been in the top four and possibly two. So Stoney said, miss the top four. I'll lay it out real real fast. Number one is Georgia. Number two is Michigan. Number three is Alabama. Number four is USC. Number five is Ohio state. Number six is LSU. Number seven is Florida state. Number eight is Penn state. Number nine is Washington. Number 10 is Utah. Um, The PAC 12 is very, very good. And the argument against USC is that there are like seven teams on their schedule that are like top 25 teams. That, I mean, not, is is so. the Pac-12 going to be really, really good? Because, I mean, I feel yes. like I feel like we get told this every year, and then it doesn't ever happen. They're not elite at the top, but they are They are going to have set, like, well, Oregon State's a top 25 team, UCLA's a top 25 team, and that does not include Oregon, Washington, or uh, Utah. It is a very good conference. It just doesn't have the elite team at the top like where, Ohio State or Michigan. Where is or, Oregon? Oregon's like number twelve, I think. Well, ten, uh, I think okay. they're number twelve. You stopped. Yeah, you stopped at eleven. So, uh, yep, I uh, gave you the, the SEC list. after that. Um, I thought that was. I, I I just now that you said when we were talking about the Pac-12, I was looking at the list as like hmm, no Oregon and no Clemson in the top ten, which no is Clemson very interesting. Florida nope. State is the the representative of that. What is your all's reasoning that, or, or is everybody done with Dabo in the college football world? Uh, like <laughs> we are all tired of the Dabo shtick. I think yeah. Clemson doesn't have some certain things this year. They're missing the offensive line. Their quarterback is really talented. Cade Klubnick is really good. They hired a really good coordinator, Garrett Riley, which is actually a sign that Dabo evolved to, to some yeah. degree because he did not, he's been sort of like stuck in the mud for his entire career. Um, they've been in the name, image, and likeness business for they, every day of their program. Name, image, and likeness of Jesus. <laughs> it's still my favorite thing I've ever heard come out of a coach's mouth. Um, I just don't. I think Florida State is red hot, dude. They finished the season great. They have one of the best quarterbacks in America, and Jordan Travis. They got NFL receivers, really good offensive line, elite pass rushers. If there is a team you are trying to pinpoint, that I think they're going to beat LSU in Week One. If you're trying to pinpoint Whoa. teams that can beat Georgia, USC's number one, Ohio State's number two. Styles make fights. Florida State's number three, LSU's number four. Those are the four teams that can. Wow, beat, that can whoa, you're not even putting Alabama on the nope. list. They could. Nope. Wow. Nope. They, you got to have a quarterback that is awesome to beat Georgia. 
Bama may get that. They may find that down the road. But right now on paper, ain't nobody at Alabama playing quarterback that can beat Georgia that we know of. Mm. That That's the key here. You got to have a great system. You need elite receivers. You need a great quarterback. You need a bit of a pass rush. And Florida State's got it. LSU's got it. USC's got it. And Ohio State's going to have it. And so if, if all of a sudden Ty Simpson is a Heisman candidate, you know, week five of the season, I, I changed my opinion. Alabama's on the list. But Alabama's a quarterback away. Michigan is a quarterback away. Penn State is a quarterback away. But watch out for Florida State. I'm and, I'm all in on the hype train for the Knowles, baby. I'm all in on it. And and Penn State and Washington, like I'm I'm not surprised that Utah made it in the top ten. Utah's kind of like one of those perennial, you know, always at the dance, but you know, never the the yep. the queen just or ten, the homecoming queen or whatever. They're just but, ten and three every year. Yeah. But Penn State and Washington, I think, are a, a odd eight and nine because I feel like Utah is better than them. But also, I really enjoy Michael Penix, and Penn State is just Penix. You know, I don't know about this Penn State business at eight. That seems well, really high. So Michael Michael Penix, uh, former no, Tennessee, I think I think I think a Tennessee commit who went to Indiana, uh, beat Penn State actually, ironically, for like the only time in school history, and then transferred out. Uh, what Washington has is like three NFL receivers, a big time play caller and Kalen DeBoer is the head coach. And Penix has now played for years. He is a he's projected by most mock drafts to be a first round pick. Um, he, he is an elite quarterback. They were the best offense in America last he, year. He's really fun to watch. I like yes. watching Michael Penix. <laughs> it's just too close to penis. I can't take it seriously. Um, they're really Washington is a one of my sneaky favorite teams to like if you're picking an upset pick to make the playoff. I think Washington's really, really good. Again, the problem with the Pac-12 teams is they're all really, really good. But if no one is elite enough to get through the entire schedule with only one loss, then they miss the playoff, which is what happens all the time in the Pac-12. So um, I, I think keep, keep the other team to keep an eye on that has the skills and the tools to beat Georgia in a one-game situation, should it all come together, is Texas. Yeah, I, I like I, I, Fucking Texas, I like that man. Texas is just outside of the top 10. Because I feel that's where they should be. They should have to earn their top 10, top yep. five. Because I think they will creep up into that conversation to make the college football playoffs this year. Uh, I, I'm i very surprised that they are five spots ahead of Oklahoma. But that's like, it looks weird on paper. But in my head, it's like, yeah, that makes sense, right? I mean, like, you no, know, it, when you really it, think about it. A&M and Texas are like putting your hand right back on the burner. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, A&M and Texas are going to be great this year. Ah, damn it, that hurt. Like, that's literally right. what it is. Um, I do Quickly on Penn State, and this is a name for you football show fans. Uh, hopefully you remember this. Drew Aller is going to be number one overall pick kind of guy at Penn State. Quarterback mm -hmm. at Penn State. So, Remember, I've been talking about how I talked about Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he he was the backup last year behind Sean Clifford, five star kid, an absolute moose of a man, like just a monster, a monstrosity of a massive human being. antlers, huge huge antlers, big hoofs, hard to throw they a ball. To make him, they have to make him a, a specialized helmet. Yeah, yes, um, and. This if it, they have an elite offensive line, they have an elite defensive line. They have two amazing running backs. Like they are very good, but they need the quarterback to take a huge step. I don't think he's going to do it this year, which is why we pick him at eight. But if you believe in Drew Aller and that sort of number one overall type of ability, Penn State could win the Big Ten and be ahead of Michigan and Ohio State at the end of this whole thing. So, but it's all about his development. But that is a player that will be an NFL prospect in two years. So keep an eye on Drew Aller, Penn State quarterback for sure. Uh, you know, you I, I, well, I like Texas at 11. Uh, I think they're sneaky. It just really depends on what Quinn Sewers is going to do. Um, Tennessee at 15. That seems right. Like the, this seems like a different res um, maybe not respect or different level of sec this year. It seems like Usually in the top 25, you'd have all these guys and they'd be in like the top 15, right? All these teams would be in the top 15, kind of jumbled up there. This year, you have only three in the top 10, and then you got four in the top 15, or 15, and then five in the top 20. That seems 
to be a little bit more spread out. So not everybody is, uh, I guess, chanting SEC, SEC, SEC over at Athlon Sports, which is okay. I mean, that's fine. But I, I look at that Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss make the top 25. And I almost feel like that, you know, maybe some of the, uh, like Tennessee's probably the only one that should have probably made the top 25. <laughs> like, I don't really know where to put Texas A&M and Ole Miss. I know that sometimes they're really good and, and, but you know, I just don't know about those guys. Uh, so I think the top tier, if you want to call it more than just Georgia yeah, is Georgia, Bama, LSU. They are one, three and six in our rankings. Hard to argue with those three, not being elite. Um, if you want to say that that's two different tiers, I'm fine with that also like Georgia on their own tier and then Bama and LSU, but let's call that the top tier. The next tier I could argue, Zach, is is like nine teams deep. That that is this is the deepest the SEC I think has ever been in the middle of the conference. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for top twenty five rankings? It's a good thing for Saturday viewership. It's a good thing for those of the teams that win fifty fifty games. Yeah, it's not a good thing for your win loss record, probably. Right. It's great for gambling. It's great. It's great for uh, the drama of the season. But I think like Tennessee's over under is nine and a half. I would put everything I own on under nine and a half. Like I, I would go I would go nine and three best case scenario. But I don't think they're any different. Like Missouri is number 50 in our list, 13th in the conference. And I could argue that the game, the win loss difference between Tennessee at 15 and Missouri at 50 is one game. I could argue eight and four, That's seven. Kind of what it feels right. Like I'm looking at this because my next question is going to be: Okay, you got Kentucky at 27, Arkansas 29, South Carolina 31, Mississippi State 33, Auburn 39, Florida 49, Missouri 50, Vanderbilt 69. That rounds up your thing. Nice. I kind of feel like Arkansas could end up in the top 25, and they're yep. ranked 29 now. And I kind of feel like sneaky Auburn with Hugh freeze could sh- surprise a couple of people and they could shoot up there. Like I'm would be surprised to see almost the, this big flip flop of like Texas A&M and Ole Miss get knocked out of the top 25, but here comes two other teams to take their spot. So let me, let me, I totally agree with you. Um, I really like Kentucky. I think we've got Kentucky at 27. I think they're, I would take the over on their, their win loss total. I really like Missouri. I think they, we've got them at 50. I think they're going to hit the over on their win loss total, but let me give you the, so from A&M, who's number 20 in our list from Texas A&M to Missouri. That's number 20 to number 50 nationally. And from number five to number 13 in the conference, here are the Vegas totals. They were released like yesterday for these teams, Texas A&M seven and a half, Ole Miss seven and a half, Kentucky six and a half, Arkansas seven, South Carolina, six and a half, Mississippi state, six and a half, Auburn, six and a half, Florida, five and a half, Missouri, six and a half. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same. We are, we are in for massive Vanderbilt two and a half. Vanderbilt's three and a half. Hammer the over. Hammer oh, the, look hammer at the you. Over. Hammer the over. Oh, wow. I had, I had, I told everybody to hammer the over last year and they had it in week three. Yep. So, uh, the, the, the key is, is like, which some of these, everyone's happy. This is the other fucking weird thing. Everything, everybody is happy in the SEC, which means somebody's going to be pissed off. Something bad's going to happen. My vote would probably be Mississippi State and Florida would be the two that I maybe would, would go under. I could see South Carolina being a little bit disappointing as well, unless Spencer Rattler finishes it off. Um, otherwise, I'm with you. I like Arkansas. I like Kentucky. I like Missouri. I think Ole Miss There's is something solid. about KJ Jefferson. It's not just because he was on your fringe element show this week, which everybody should go watch. But I, I ever since the season ended, it's like I, ever since the college season ended and the draft season kind of started, I've, I've been toying with this idea, talking about like. If the Titans didn't get a quarterback this year, who's a sneaky SEC quarterback that maybe can sneak into the first round that can show you something? And it, it feels like I keep coming back to KJ Jefferson as a sneaky, like I feel like he could end up being the second or third most talked about quarterback in the entire SEC because he's just kind of been there in Arkansas and they got a new offensive coordinator and all this stuff. I just I don't know. There's something about KJ Jefferson that makes me want to root for him. And it's something that was, I saw last year, like when we were, we're starting to do this, I dive more into KJ Jefferson. I watch more Arkansas. I'm just like, 
man, I just really love a, that kid, and I want him to succeed whenever yeah. I watch him play, unless he's playing against Alabama or something. He, he's a really good kid, and Dan Enos, the new offensive coordinator, is is going to make him a better pro prospect immediately. Like that, that's the, the offense in the passing game will be very different moving forward because of him. And Jefferson has been, frankly, extremely productive, very protective mm-hmm. of the football. He only has nine interceptions in the last two seasons as a starter. They he missed the, the and I asked him about this in the interview. I said, does, does Sam Pittman want you to like slide more, dude? Because he loves finishing runs because he's like Cam Newton size. And so he wants to finish runs. And that's why he missed the Mississippi State and LSU games last year. Arkansas lost both those games. And now, and, and I just think he's going to learn. He's, he's really focused on the NFL. Like he wants to be a better prospect. And I think protecting his body and being a better pocket passer are things that he's working on. And if, and he's first team all sec right now, like he's the best right. quarterback I in mean, the conference right now. So you, I mean, that's kind of what I think. I mean, I think he's number two, but I mean, like I could see, see the argument for the first, um, he will be first team all sec at sec media days. He's like, first, I, team, first team in Athlon. <laughs> I mean, because I I brought it up when when I wrote about the Will Levis situation before he was drafted by the Tennessee Titans and talking about Will Levis as a prospect, I said, do you want to draft? Because at the time, it's like Will Levis is the the conversation is he's a top, you know, five pick or if you're drafting at 11. And I'm thinking, wouldn't you rather have KJ Jefferson next year than Will Levis this year? And like, no. no, that's kind of what I was getting at because KJ Jefferson's stats are a little bit better. And no. I don't know. I would take Will Levis as a take, pro, would, as a, as a pro prospect. I would take Will Levis as a college quarterback. I would rather root for KJ Jefferson because he's more fun to watch, but you don't, so you don't think that KJ Jefferson could end up being a better pro pro prospect at the end of this. season? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think he's got a lot of tools that people are going to like. But I think he's got more Hendon Hooker quality of NFL prospect. I think he's more of like a, if he does everything really, really well, has a great season, could be a early second round pick. I don't think he's going to, you know how these NFL scouts are, man. They, they, they get hooked on like specific traits and they're just like, that guy can do this. That's why he's better than this guy, you know? And I, I don't know. Sony, Sony asked a good question though. If he's not number one, all SEC, who's your number one quarterback? In the, in yeah. The I mean, like if he probably is, you know, I, I'm kind of still like, when I said that I'm kind of stuck in like Stetson Bennett still around and, and like my head has not adjusted to the new, the new wave of quarterbacks coming in. You know, I think, you know, I would take KJ Jefferson probably over Joe Milton and maybe Brady cook. No, no. Okay. We got to get yeah. you a magazine. We got to get you a magazine. No, I'm saying I would take him, take KJ Jefferson over those guys. Yeah. Brady Cook's probably 12th or 13th in the conference. I would you have think Joe Brady Cook is. Yes. I would have Joe Milton probably like eighth or ninth in the conference. Wow. Um, you, Q- you're really down to Joe Milton. QB two in our magazine is Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Who's going to have. Oh, yeah. I forgot that he was there. That's, he's gonna, that's the guy. He's going to own every single passing record in the history of the conference. Yeah. QB three is Jaden Daniels at LSU. QB four. Yeah, I don't De- agree with that. I think y'all are overinflating Jaden Daniels. I don't like Jaden Daniels. Devin Leary would be my number two, but he's number four in the conference rankings. Then it is a wide open crapshoot after that. Carson Beck at Georgia, whoever wins the job at Bama. Connor Wigman at AM is going to be really, really good. I don't think Joe Milton has proven anything to us. You are not getting Orange Bowl yeah, Joe I- every game. I I think that for me it's that and maybe this is not the correct way to look at it is that like he's going to put up a, a shit ton of numbers probably against bad teams yes the question is what does he do against good teams yeah because because Joe Milton is very much like we you make fun of we all make fun of Will Levis for like not knowing how to take a little off the ball right right Joe Milton is exactly it's so ironic that that Tennessee's going to have the a very similar quarterback to Will Levis a monstrosity of a transformer robot playing quarterback who does not know how to throw the football, you know, less than a hundred miles an hour. I just don't he, think Jaden Daniels is that good. I, go am watch I just the, crazy. Go watch the second half of the season. He he was extraordinary. He's been very good his entire career. Arizona State all the way to LSU. He he is a he is a, he's he's a little tiny for my taste. Like he needs to put on some weight. Um, he's a little thin and he likes to run the ball a little too much, but he is, he's a very good player and he's been around a long 
long time. I mean, like it's it's really hard for me, and I, I know this is like a bad. This is a poor way to judge quarterbacks. But when I watch your games and you don't excite me throwing the ball, and then you don't have the stats to back it up, like it's really hard for me to say that. Like you say, Jane Daniels has been good at every stop, but he's he's been maybe efficient at every stop, but he's not been lighting the world on fire passing the ball. It feels like. Well, but that's because he he's their leading he was their leading rusher last year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other the other part of this. But I, I don't know. He's sixty nine percent passer uh, last year, seventeen touchdowns, three interceptions, almost seven and a half yards per attempt. That's pretty efficient. They just don't throw that's the ball. I said. Time. I mean, like he's a pretty efficient player, but he's like, is that the best quarterback? Like as high, just because you're I'm, efficient. It's like I, don't I would know have him. Thir- I would have him third team. But but I mean, I, I would certainly have him third team. Yeah. In for in terms of uh, SEC, but again, like again, he was LSU's leading rusher last year. So like you yeah. gotta, you can't, you can't take away, you can't take away that part of his game and just be like, oh, he's not, because like again, that's KJ Jefferson. Same thing with KJ Jefferson. I mean, Jaden Daniels ran for almost a thousand yards and eleven touchdowns last year <laughs> he's on just the ground. A little fellow, he needs some, he need some uh, gumbo, man. And he and he takes. This is the thing. Like if you're that. If you're going to be KJ Jefferson size, you you can run the ball downhill on some linebackers in the SEC. When yeah. you're Jaden Daniel size, you can't do that. So both those That'll guys have to tone it down. The, these this is an interesting quarterback class. I feel like to look at from an NFL prospect situation, just because there's no real true NFL. Like last year, it was obviously Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Bryce Young. You got like. Maybe KJ well, Jefferson is your closest one, like a, as a for sure NFL quarterback. Like, who's the first round NFL quarterback? Con- out of this group? Con- Connor Wigman at AM, but not next year. All, yeah, all the guys, all the guys you're talking about are are younger. Right, right. That's what all, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get as yeah. like. There's no. But you can't. But here's the thing: you can't put a guy into the, the league as as one dot one, one dot four, thirty third overall in the second round, a third round pick in Hendon Hooker, and a fifth round, a fourth round pick in Stetson Bennett. That is five NFL draft picks in the first four rounds from one conference. You cannot oh, take saying, all that. I, I I understand what you're saying. I'm just yeah. saying that like, who is that guy this year? There there isn't that guy. I um, guess KJ Jefferson is the closest guy. I mean, because Will Rogers, do we really? We can't. I don't think he's got a ton of NFL upside. I think Devin yeah. Leary could be that. Devin Leary could absolutely be that guy at Kentucky. He's going to run Liam Combs' offense, which is an NFL offense with elite receivers on that team. There, Kentucky is sneaky, sneaky good. And Leary's a guy who was extremely efficient at NC State. Thirty-five touchdowns, five interceptions at NC yeah. State which is a really good number. So I think he's got some, he's more of a third round guy too. I think the guys that have the Carson Beck is one that could be an NFL player. If Carson Beck goes off at Georgia running that offense on a team, that's going to get a lot of profile. Carson Beck is a guy that could have NFL upside. Connor Wigman at Texas A&M, who's only a sophomore is going to tie Simpson at Alabama, only a sophomore. There's a handful of those types of guys. Joe Milton, frankly, if he puts it all together, has a lot of NFL talent. He's very much Jamarcus Russell and, and that NFL scouts, liked so much of Jamarcus Russell, they drafted him first overall. So Milton and Rattler are two guys that if they put it all together could absolutely become NFL draft picks this year in this class. But I think the best players are the younger guys. I think, you know, Walker Howard at Ole Miss. I think the best guys are like the sophomores that are five stars, those guys. So otherwise um, it's going to be go buy a magazine. Please support good journalism. Of course, um, you know, uh, athlonsports.com. You can order the magazines now. Stacking the inbox is another great place to get good, some good writing. I, I think the the biggest takeaway is we are in a com- extremely balanced conference, top to bottom, with very good coaches and a lot of questions at quarterback, and that makes for really good drama week in and week out. In my opinion, that's where that's where I'm at with this. I yeah. think. I think I that think. makes sense. Uh, otherwise, uh, can't wait to see all those uh, stretching videos on Saturday. From from the from our from, from me probably I'll probably be posting them up oh, here's here's here it is here's one um here's uh Tajay Spears cutting off of a dummy <laughs> look how good his knee looks planting an open space I don't want now I'm gonna jinx something he's gonna actually hurt himself in a non-contact drill I'm sorry good job. Fans. sorry sorry boys all for that uh, drawn out poorly uh, planned joke sinkers Kingston Group. 
Uh, Sinker's Beverages, of course, you got Bluegrass, sponsor of F-Words Pod. Go check out that show. Bluegrass up in Hendersonville, their sister store. Two great places to buy some booze this weekend for your wife or mom or aunt, whoever you're buying for. Um, go check it out. Sign up for the in-crowd, VIP allocations, special events, all kinds of cool stuff from Sinker's Beverages, the defending champion, number one liquor store in the city in 2022, doing it all again in 2023. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. Check out their work. Just remember that name before you make any big decisions about your house. So uh, all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network. And uh, Zach, what you got in the inbox this week for good, for the good folks? Uh, Will Levis film breakdown coming from um, uh, Stoney Keeley. In the comment section from Sobros Network. Pounding that up on Friday. Uh, Conference USA preview coming next week on the show. We do appreciate you guys. Uh, All right, that about does it. Have a great Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. You know, share the product. Tell somebody about it. We do appreciate it. Thanks to Sinkers and the Kingston Group. For Zach, I am Braden. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah.